You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for episode 178 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Corey. And I'm Carlos. Welcome back, everybody. Guys, today, today marks 200 days until... Are you kidding me? Yeah. (gasps) I didn't... I I was as surprised as you are when when I realized that. And Oh, dude, I seriously remember the 300 was like... It feels uh, like, it was like it, yeah, it, it feels was like a like hundred days ago, man. I can't believe it. Something like that. <laughs> but it feels like that 300 barrier was not long ago. I feel like we fell in the 300 bar, like the 300 mark during a podcast for some reason. Very possible. But yeah, like I, I do remember talking about the 300 barrier. I, I, I think I remember the 400 as well. And it seems so far and now 200 still seems so far, but we've chopped that that time down by you know 50 percent like we're really the days are melting away not not maybe not as fast as we'd like but 200 days that that's a big one and i didn't see a lot of talk about that on twitter today i thought i thought there'd be more stuff related to that like crossing that barrier but yeah man nothing it was pretty pretty silent can we have a summer first can I? <laughs> I'd like to have a summer first, please. Whether, Can the next hundred di- uh, next hundred days not fly by? <laughs> Whether or not we need... get a summer is not up to us. We're kind of still waiting on spring. <laughs> so true. Just oh, man, what a garbage weather here! My God. Yeah, but yeah, we stealthily kind of broke through that barrier, and now, now hopefully we get to have ourselves a summer. And you know, th- those are always so short, at least in our part of the world. And I know that Tim and Troy and, and the guys at the, at the Nerd Room, they can totally attest to it. Canadian summers are pathetically short. So we, we got to seize on it while we can. But yeah, man, 100 days. That'll, that'll be here. You know, in the end, at the end of the summer, we'll be talking 100 days and then the final stretch. And man, is it, it's, it's going to come quick. So guys, how was your weekend? Anything uh, particularly interesting happen? Too much, man. Took it easy. You know, did some stuff. The weather was, wasn't that great, like you said. It's kind of nice, though. Caught up on some some movie watching with my son. Just chilled. Did some drawings. Barbecue. All that stuff. Not bad. Not bad. Carlos, anything uh, cool happened with you this weekend? Yeah, I spent too much money. Good. Oh, yeah. And, uh, bought shoes. Uh, bought new jeans. Um, what else? That's about it, man. Is this your collecting update? Uh, this is not my collecting update. I do not have a collecting update this week. So uh, yeah, so I needed uh, I needed new shoes and uh, <laughs> yeah, did what I got to do. You know what I'm saying? Know what I'm saying? Priorities, but, you uh, know, damn priorities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't need new shoes. That's that's bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> You I wanted. didn't need them. You just wanted. I just, I just wanted a pair of Hugo Boss shoes, and I got them. Well, so there you go. You know what? You deserved it. I. You know what? I did deserve it. Thank you. 
<laughs> seems like Corey was he's bringing up the collecting update. It seems like Corey's got something to say. Well, whatever. I, I did pick up some uh, some pretty sweet vintage comics there. I'd sent you the pics there. New Mutants number one and 100, the last issue. So the first and last, that was kind of sweet. Yeah, it was nice. They're cool, too. It's like 100 is the intro of X-Force. And number one, I was just like, yeah, why not? It's like pretty much mint condition. I'll, I'll pull the trigger. It was a pretty decent price. Then I picked up some more of those uh, X-Men Legends figures. So that was a uh, Gambit and Forge. And uh, I can't yeah, I don't imagine know. spending money on Forge. I don't know. I always had a thing for him. <laughs> There's just something about that bandana. Maybe it's the mustache and that leg. I think I had his toy back in the day, too. I'm pretty sure I did. And look, I, I say that as somebody who would spend like $30 on a very anonymous Star Wars figure. Like Black Series 6-inch. Total nameless guy. I'll spend that money. But Forge? I don't know that you can get me to spend 30 bucks on Forge. Yeah, well, I did see uh, what's-his-face there. Uh, can't remember her name, but uh, Arnold's wife in True Lies, that version of uh, Luke Skywalker, the six inch <laughs> Escape from Death, the Death Star. Did you I saw that. It was, one? Yeah, it was super. Is that what we're calling it? Uh, what was her name? What was Helen Tasker? Oh, yeah, it's Tasker. I knew it was a T. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's 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 the uh, the name this uh, Luke Skywalker figure has Helen Tasker. That's what we're going to go with. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, it was piled deep. They had probably about a good 10 of them. And I was just like, I don't know. I made an about face. I was like, sorry, man. So you did pull the trigger? No, I didn't. I was like, I'm not. No. Wow. I don't know. It's just that that didn't attract me too much. You know, I don't feel like I need that. Like I have probably like three or four Luke's at this point. Yeah, I think that I will. I'll be passing on this one as well. Or at least if you know if if it ever gets down to the uh, fourteen fifteen dollar range, maybe I'll consider it at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, well, you did pick me up the Han from the vintage collection in his stormtrooper disguise, so <laughs> that <laughs> I that that I need <laughs> that one I need. Yeah, it was piled pretty deep there. Sent you a little pick. You're like, am I picking that up for me? Well, yeah, because I I had plans to go out. Uh, to a buddy's place for his birthday party so I just took a, a detour I went a few minutes further down the highway stopped at the Toys R Us there thinking hey maybe they've got that Han which of course you already picked up but maybe it means they have the the retro figures you know those like the reissues of those 77 yeah I heard about lines. that they're popping up now in, in Canadian Toys R Us locations yeah. I was like yeah let's check it out I've been seeing them for a while some of them really yeah uh, my Toys R Us? They've got them. The, I'm not I saying the, not the vintage line, eh? Like the retro line from, like, that looks like the line from 77 with the crappy toys inside, like from those molds. Okay. Uh, no, because the card backs look similar. So uh, I thought you were talking about, because I've had that Stormtrooper and hmm, I don't know who else. There's, I, you there's know what? Stormtrooper, there's Vader, there's Han, Luke, Leia, and Chewie. Yeah, I, I think no. Carlos Carlos is thinking the vintage collection. Uh, I may, sure. I may be. Yeah, I'm probably thinking about that. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's uh, it is. I won't it is talk an, anymore. <laughs> it is an easy mistake. It's an easy mistake to make. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm seeing pictures on Facebook that these these retro toys are starting to hit 
Canadian Toys R Us, which we weren't sure, right? Like we saw those get uh, released. Well, we saw news of this way back and we weren't sure which Canadian retailer would pick it up. We thought maybe EB Games would do it, but it turns out Toys R Us has picked up that particular range. Um, I've yet to see them. I, I don't know if, again, distribution issues here seem to be a big, big problem, but I'm going to keep my eye out. And Corey, you, you you now have standing orders. If you see them, you buy them. Yeah, buy one for me, one for you. Fair enough. You got to pay for both. <laughs> what? I can just... What? Yeah. That's a just horrible buy deal. <laughs> just buy them online from an indie toy store and pay the shipping. And, and pay no. less. And support okay. local business. Hmm. We'll work something out. You're so shady. Hey, I still got your uh, Han Solo guy over here. You're damn right you did. You're damn right you did. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. You guys bicker. <laughs> so much fun. We we do. You should see us bicker, bicker over the cleanliness of a piece of fruit. <laughs> we'll see who gets that Seinfeld reference. <laughs> Uh, did you guys see the opening of Galaxy's Edge? I didn't. Well, I, no, I kind of did. I, I I saw the uh, uh, you know the Her- bringing Harrison Ford up and uh, and his little salute to Peter Mayhew. Wasn't that? Oh, that was so good. It was good, but it was poorly done. It was badly timed. There, it yeah, kind of, you could tell they yeah. could either didn't care or just did, you know they didn't really get enough time to iron out the kinks, or maybe it just came to him last second. No, no, Harrison Ford, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a camera hog. He just he's does taking he does. too long. Yeah. We're doing this in one take. If I screw it up, too bad. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> but yeah, like, what what a, what a pack of guys up on that stage. It was Iger, Lucas, Billy D. Williams, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford. Yeah. That is... That was pretty cool. Man. What a group there. That's pretty sweet. I'm surprised they got Harrison in on that. I wonder how much ten million. Yeah, they paid ten him. million. <laughs> Double digits. Probably. <laughs> would you, would it would it surprise you? No Do less I, than ten. Unless it was worked into his contract from the get go. I gotta wait in the line. <laughs> oh, the lines. God. Can I fly in? Yeah. Those lines do nothing to make me want to go there any sooner. Did you Did you guys see the the like the just the massive humanity outside the gate before, as it opened? Yeah, that was insane. Oh, God, <laughs> nothing turned me off quicker than just seeing that type of crowd. Like I I'm was... surprised there was no like mass riot. Like people start running, one person starts running, everybody starts running. People start get getting dead. <laughs> like. <laughs> Get trampled. Yeah. Get trampled. It wouldn't shock me if there was somebody at the head of the crowd, like a, a Disney rep, just saying, hey, guys, like, take it easy. Oh, for sure. They, they, for sure, for sure, for sure. They explained to everyone probably beforehand. It's the last thing they need opening day. Trampled by a wild pack of banthas. <laughs> yeah, that, nothing would put the kibosh on, on a happy theme park opening than... <laughs> <laughs> a visitor getting trampled to death. Star Wars nerd trampled by Star Wars nerds. 
There's a good headline for you. My God, that would be terrible. But yeah, like, well, I did, you know, I did see people saying like, you know, once you got past that initial rush at the gate and you go inside, like it did sort of like people did kind of tend to disperse and it wasn't so crowded. Like it wasn't, they, they said it wasn't bad at all. But yeah, mm. I have, even if I had the money right now, I don't, I don't know that I'd be in such a rush to go at this point. Like I, there, there probably are kinks to work out. So I, I think it probably would. I think people who go in like a few months from now, maybe a year from now are get going to have like the best experience because it'll still be fresh, but like they'll, they'll have worked out all the, all the kinks in the system and like all the, all the Disney staff who are playing residents of, of Batu. They'll probably be right into the flow of it all. That's when I'd want to go. But did you, did anybody see the, like the, the footage of the smugglers run? I didn't No, No, I haven't seen cow. it. What a waste oh, of weekend good. you guys just had then. <laughs> that was that was such a cool part of the weekend. Holy smokes. How that long was, is it? Well, I just saw like snippets of footage. Like you know, you don't see the whole thing. But it looks so cool. Like does the cockpit move and stuff? It appears to, yeah. Hmm. No, it looks it looks absolutely incredible. But anyway, like as much as they want to immerse you into it, they do sort of bend the rules a bit because there's like two pilots and you both get to do something different. There's two gunners who sit behind you or sit behind the pilots and behind that there's two engineers. So the, the, there's like a, a six-seater cockpit of the Falcon, which right away breaks cannon. Which, you know, that, 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 you can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> probably There's probably somebody complaining about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> For sure, somebody's complained about how they, how they put six seats in the Falcon. They've ruined it, and they've already taken you out of the experience because it doesn't look real. It's not canon. They didn't invite me. <laughs> <laughs> not my Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> but think about it, though. Like, uh, Change.org. <laughs> like, how, how do you decide who gets the pilot? Like, You know what I mean? Uh, oh, I think you get, a, you, you get assigned. As, as, like, because it's like a whole like role playing thing. How, how many kids? Yeah, exactly. But how many kids are gonna cry over that? I wanted to be the pilot. Yeah, I guess it's too bad. Like you go in and so you, I don't know how they do it really, but a couple of people get assigned to pilot, and a couple of people are assigned as engineers, which I think would probably be the weakest of of the of all the things you get to do. Yeah, it's like, like possibly the blue view adapters. I, I yeah, I would I would probably pitch a fit. <laughs> I wanna I, I wanna be in the gunner position. And shoot TIE fighters. Well yeah, that, that, would, like, that would the, be a fun one, yeah. The gunners sit behind the pilots and th- I wanna sit in the gunwell, man. Yeah. Why can't I go sit in the gunwell? This is not my galaxy's edge. <laughs> <laughs> this place is trash. Stole my money back. Yeah, but it looks. I, I, I do need to go to this park. I mean, there's so much good-looking stuff there. Like, I showed my my kids so, uh, like a 15-minute video of you know different aspects of the park from the food, um, which has some, like a bunch of crazy names that oh, like that kind of meat, gross. Um, but you know, there's like a build a droid feature, which is really really cool. And I think then, did I did, I think I heard someone say that. The smugglers run, you're smuggling like Coca-Cola, which is really lame. 
Uh, I don't know about that. I know that you're you're doing a job for Hondo. But that's all I know. I don't know what you're smuggling. And why would you smuggle Coca-Cola? You're not actually going anywhere. I don't know. That's that's what I heard. Maybe it's maybe it was just a joke or something. Probably. But I, I, I know that like they basically taken the products like Coca-Cola and put them in new bottles and put like the Orabesh on it and called it like Space Coke or whatever. Yeah, they've, they've, yeah, they've given it like Star Wars shaped bottles with Star Wars ish graphics, but still identifiable as Coke or, or 7-Up or whatever it is. But yeah, the, <laughs> crazy pricing, man. A bottle was five fifty of Coke. And it was it's not it's not even like the half liter bottles. It's a collectible though, Kyle. Oh sure. You gonna pay five fifty for a Coke? No, I don't drink Coke. Are you a Pepsi guy? No. Do they have Coke Zero? <laughs> Why did you sound so offended over Pepsi? I really don't like Pepsi. It's so funny. I go to the restaurant, I'm like, I'll have a Coke sometimes, you know? And they'll be like uh, yeah, we only have Pepsi. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Just give me water. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. Is that in uh, Salaberry to Valley Field? <laughs> Pretty much. That's where it's always the... We just have the Pepsi. <laughs> oh, boy. No, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Coke guy too, but I will drink Pepsi if I don't have an alternative. Oh, no, I won't. Really? Good it's for you, Carlos. Coke or bust? Um... I'll, I'll sometimes go into the Royal Crown. Give me give me the root beer first. Like, I'll take root beer over any of that stuff. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not a huge root beer guy. I'll do it at A&W, but that's about it. Yeah, that's really about it. Root beer doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't float my boat. You, only, you know what else? You know what floats? Ice cream on top of root beer. A root beer float. That's always a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not for it's me, though. Good. Not for me. Summertime. Summertime. You know what I don't like about the fact that you only have root beer at E&W? I feel like that's like cultural appropriation. Boop. And you're better, you're better boop, than boop, that, boop, Kyle. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> boop. Oh, I love that bear. <laughs> I used to be that bear for a while. What? Wait, were no, you, I... were you an a- did, you have, did you have a job as the A&W mascot? No, I was just almost 400 pounds. That's what I was referring to. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Uh. All right. Well, that's it it for Galaxy's Edge. Looks super cool. Oh, the lightsaber building. 200 bucks for a lightsaber if you got it. Really? Kind of cool. Apparently, considering it costs 100 bucks to get in, I mean, it's not that much more expensive. Imagine you go it depends there. With... What, it, it depends what you're offering and what it's like to experience, you know? Well, apparently, like, to build, it's a really cool experience. Like, it feels like you're doing something Star Wars-y. The way, that, the way they assemble, the way you choose your crystal. Apparently, it's a really cool experience to, to, to build it. But, like, you go with, like, if I went with my two kids, I want a saber. For sure, they <laughs> want one. <laughs> Am I really going to do... Kyle, you you do what the grown-ups, what real grown-ups do, okay? Is you you tell them that you're going to go, but you don't really go with them. You go, 
And then you talk about how it was really crappy and they're not going to enjoy it. And then they're only going to resent you in like five to 10 years. And that's future Kyle's problem. Oh, that's right. That That is a sound plan. Let's, <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm just, I'm just going to go myself and report back and say it was lousy. Oh, bring the wife. Come on. Don't be a heathen. Jesus. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much interest she has. Like she's like, yeah, you know it's what? cool. I'll go. But, but you know why you bring the wife though? To corroborate See? the story. Exactly. Exactly. She's a bad liar though. She's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like if you went, imagine you go with a couple of kids and you want to saber as well. For us, that's 800 bucks. US. No, like $200 US times three exchange, 800 bucks, maybe more. Imagine that. No. That's that, that, uh, that hurts. (laughs) That hurts a whole lot. I'll get my own. I I gotta see the. The possibilities, like Yad said, if you can like customize and choose, like me and Kyle. It's so funny. Kyle and I both landed on the same similar type saber, the one from uh, it was Gunji's saber from the mm-hmm. Clone Wars. It's like a, it's pretty much got like this strong, strong, strong type of wood. It's like a wooden shaft. I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh I know. Austin Powers. Let's go. Well, listen, we made it to like twenty-one minutes or so. <laughs> Last hey, week, it's a huge improvement over last week when vitamin D derailed us after about 45 Six seconds. seconds. <laughs> if I count the intro, you guys. If I count the intro, we got we got just close to a minute before we went off the rails with vitamin D. No, I I knew it. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, watch this. Carlos like <laughs> <laughs> He said <laughs> He said shaft. Wooden shaft. <sighs> whatever they're super sweet man like i don't know if you've ever seen those episodes carlos they're some of my favorites in the clone wars they're, they're good uh good episodes man anyway i, I don't think yeah. you have that option though that would be cool though it would uh, be cool uh, no i think you get to build basically your your standard issue metal looking cylinders for sabers like i don't i don't think you could even emulate for example like an uh, like a kenobi or skywalker saber I'm sure there's got to be some options. Let's get a few options of, like, out there. Yeah, there's a bunch of different options and parts, but I don't, I don't know. Obviously, I haven't seen a thousand examples, but I don't know that you can really emulate something that has been seen. Like if I want to build like, oh, a Mace Windu replica, I don't know that the parts are there to do that. Hmm. Anyway, well, well, I guess we'll find out authentic. more. They have them at Toys R Us. You can get a nice lightsaber hilt. I have Luke's. The, I love those the, episodes. The it's the uh, ones. I don't know. They're just the, the cheapo uh, seven dollar ones. Oh, cost. gotcha. Yeah. Those, those. I mean, those are okay. They, they feel. I mean, obviously they're plastic and they're cheap, but they're the right scale for the yep. for the most part. All the little switches and features features are there for you know for seven bucks or even twenty bucks if you go up to the electronic one. It's not awful. You could do a lot worse, but I do. It's a good I, point. I do want to try, like if ever, if, if if I ever go adult with my collecting, I would I would do things like like proper black series or VFX saber hilts and helmets and and that kind of thing. Maybe that, maybe that's future Kyle collecting. <laughs> but you know what, you know what's kind of cool about Galaxy's Edge? I th- I think one of the most 
probably the part that makes it most immersive is apparently when you're inside of that park, you can't see any other part of Disneyland. Or here. That's, I think that's super cool. Yeah, it's a feat of engineering. Someone someone spelt it like that. Like I know you appreciate like auditory stuff, Kyle. So being able to cancel out the noise from the rest of the park and being isolated there is kind of astounding. Yeah, like I wonder if like if somebody's gonna also gonna go and like try to poke holes in that. Like just they'll try and stand in that one spot or just climb just that little bit higher or stand on a bench or something and catch a view of something they're not supposed to see. Or they'll take a picture of like a passenger passenger jet overhead. Ruined. <laughs> anyway, uh, Galaxy's Edge, super, super cool. Star Wars I'm is just dead, so though. surprised Star again. Wars is dead, yeah. if, if you hadn't learned, Star Wars is totally dead. Look, I, I'll be I'll be honest. Like I, I'm not even gonna go watch episode nine now because I was expecting to be invited to the opening, and I wasn't. Hey, we've and, podcasted for three and a half years and we didn't get invited. And like people with like lesser shows have already gone. Hey, and hey, I don't hey, like hey, that. Hey, who's lesser than us? Huh? Listen, I don't want to name Nobody. names because I'm not that type of douche. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Thanks, Christian. I'll just have you know that nobody is lesser than us. <laughs> you remember that. Nobody's Nobody. lesser than us. Hey, listen, we're the best when it comes to being less. All right? Yes. Best of the less. All right. Let's uh let's just plow ahead. Let's let's prove yeah, let's, why, why let's prove why. We're less. We're less. <laughs> We're actually we're, we're going to spend the rest of the episode sort of living on yesterday's news. Uh, so this part here, uh, this this well, last week really, uh, it was the folks at the Resistance podcast, and they fired up fandom in a big, big way, which was really cool. Uh, they got the Make Solo Two Happen campaign going, and it worked. Not to the point where they've greenlit Solo Two, but it got a ton of attention, and like it, it hit some major news sites, got a lot of coverage. Caught the attention of, of Ron Howard, uh, who showed, of course, his, his gratitude for the support. But it did, uh, it really got the attention of John Kasdan, who wrote Solo with, with his dad, Lawrence Kasdan. And he tweeted, uh, Beyond grateful and galvanized by the Make Solo 2 Happen energy on Twitter today means so much to everyone involved and your enthusiasm makes it possible for us to keep advocating for it. Because the maker knows... There's a war story set in a galaxy far, far away that's yet to be told. Mm. And then along with that was three symbols in that tweet. And it was, it really hints to something cool where we're talking about the uh, sort of like an underworld war between what the, the, the hut cartel and Crimson Pike Dawn. syndicate and Crimson Dawn. How how does that grab you as a premise for Solo Two or whatever whatever they were planning next? Like Carlos sold sold sold. You know what would make it even better? Disney Plus. No, if they got Zack Snyder to direct it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trolling again? Nope. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't think that's that crazy. Well, it'd be awesome, actually. It would be it would be something. That's for damn sure. Like he's he's an ambitious guy. 
it would certainly have a flavor and tone and style to its own, which maybe puts them out of the running. But yeah, I, I would I would take a look at that because Corey, what do you think? Cool uh, I idea? think it's perfect, man. It's, it's perfect, right? Yeah, dude. Like, come on. We already know Han's on his way to go see the huts. Kira's part is Crimson Dawn with Maul now. That's where they left us. You know, like let's bring in this other uh space syndicate or whatever, you know, and uh dude, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of potential there for some amazing stories. Like this solo part one definitely left us in a position like when the movie ends there's like oh man like so many possibilities here so many cool characters introduced and so many loose ends so much story left to tell so well i'm totally was laid for sure and they left us on edge i mean there's so many questions we have and there's so much potential there for just a little more storytelling you know like people say, oh, we don't need that from Han back in the day. But I mean, they're so fun. It was fun, right? So like, let's just have some more of that. But this could get a little more gritty and dirtier, like with the underworld, like you were saying. But there's there's too many cool things with the whole Kira Mall thing. Maybe in MP's Nest, you could bring the bounty hunters into it, like Boba Fett, maybe. You could finally find out why him and Han have some kind of relationship. All of this is stuff that I'd love to see. But I, I, I'm dead serious when I say I think I'd prefer this on Disney+. Plus. 100%. I'm, I'm totally on the same page as you there. I have the same thing here. Like, There's just so much going on that it makes perfect sense for a series. Hopefully they can land these big name actors again to, to do this. But it makes perfect sense to me. Even if it's just like 10 episodes or 8 episodes like The Mandalorian, you know? It could be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'll... I'll I'll be honest. I want it in the movie theater because I don't have enough experience or uh, sorry. I don't have enough excuses to, to eat that much popcorn and I want <laughs> more popcorn in my life. And I really enjoyed solo in the theater and uh, I would love to see solo two in the theater. I think it would be a downgrade to have it on Disney plus just because uh, I enjoyed it so much the first time around in the theater. That's okay, just my so personal opinion. I, I, I know what you're saying, but like, Sadly, we now know that that is basically not going to happen on the big screen. Like we know their plan, what they've said. I don't think they're going to backtrack on that and start just cramming movies down our throat again. They've really taken a step back. So with the timeline and calendar that we have, the schedule they have, we're not going to see these guys in the theater uh, for at least 10 years. So I don't think it's going to happen from if years. they want to do it. Well, what they're doing movies till 2026. Oh, on, on big screen. Yeah, no, I don't. They it sounds they sound pretty decided that standalones on the big screen are are dead. They want for for the time being, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like we, yeah, when you say ten years, I would say that's that's probably that's fair. fair. So I don't know, at least, or There's... at least you know until until Iger and Kennedy are gone, you get new people in into Lucasfilm and Disney. Maybe they backtrack and say, no, you know what. We're going to throw more stuff at the screen. We don't mind if Star Wars is not an event film. We just want more Star Wars out there. But yeah, I, I just more to the Disney plus thing though. Like there, there's other ways they can take it too. You know, you have these three syndicates going on. You have the Han story in the middle. You have the Kira, uh, Kira romance, but you could also get things going on in the background with like the partisans, possibly in Emphy's nest kind of starting to build the rebellion as well. Maybe finally throw the battle of Tanab in there somehow. Perhaps, yeah. Like, who knows? 
who really knows how far they could drag this out on the timeline? I, I guess uh, by the by the original trilogy, I think it's over. Like you can't really about, go too far past that. What about Luke by the Maker? Does he mean Lucas is backing this, or is he just like you know, is he just being kind of funny? Well, he capitalized it. The Maker knows there's a war. Yeah, I would say he's he's definitely talking about George Lucas there. He's he's run the premise by by Lucas. I guess when Lucas maybe. Uh, visited the solo set maybe they had a chat and said hey this, what do you think of our idea for what's next and george probably said, okay that's, that sounds great but yeah i i would be totally on board for that I, and of course yeah if you want to do it on, on big screen sure i who's gonna argue but i think i think there's so much there with the cartel and, and like a gang war type thing a galactic gang war that a long form story over a season and or bounty two. hunters too there's yeah there's just so much there and like even like even if, if you go to like son of dathomir that that book that survived the canon purge like we learned that the huts if I, if I have this right the huts had an abandoned mall it's like remember how, like when mall was sort of rebuilding his power base after he lived and got the, the his spider legs fixed up so he he got Black Sun and uh, the Huts and the Pike Syndicate all behind him. Was that called the Shadow Collective? I can't remember. But yeah, like the Huts abandoned him at some point. So then you you would have this cool dynamic where the Huts are on one side, and I think it's easy to attach uh, Han to the Huts. Exactly. He's sort of you know he's he's one of Jabba's lackeys. And then you'd on the other side you'd have Kira still, still working for Crimson Dawn, and Maul, obviously with Maul, and who knows what they do with Maul? Like maybe Kira's able to outfox him, and take control away, and then you have imagine Kira, leader of Crimson Dawn, and now now she's at odds with Han Solo, who is with the Huts. Or imagine Han has to, or Han dumps his shipment in an attempt to like do something heroic to make sure Kira doesn't get in trouble or something. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff they could do, but I think it would lead you to that point where I think whatever happened between Han and Kira brings you to a new hope Han where he's just, he's he's, wanted. Wanted. Well, in solo, right? He's, he's sort of this like doe eyed, almost cockeyed optimist. And you could tell he was kind of brokenhearted about the whole thing. But by the time you meet him in Solo, he kind of, it almost, you get the sense that he views women the same way that James Bond does, where it's just like, whatever. So I think whatever happens with Han and Kira in Solo 2 or in a series takes you to that point, which I think is a good bridge for character development. But I think that'd be so, so cool. Like there's, there's so much potential there. So yeah, color me like on board. I am I am totally in for make solo two happen, whether that's again on the big screen or or Disney Plus. Just I, I think like the people at the Resistance Podcast, like hats off to them for making this happen. It was a hugely successful campaign. Lucasfilm for sure is paying attention. Hopefully it made an impact. So yeah. Let's let's hope for something cool to come out of that in the future. All right. So 
uh, we are not only are we living off that past news, but we're still sort of uh, getting some mileage out of the Vanity Fair coverage. So last week we took a look at all the images, but you know, it's a magazine. There are also words in magazines. So we'll take a bit of a deeper dive into into some of the stories that we that we were given. Uh, so I sent you guys links to to a bunch of the of the news pieces. Let's start with the main story, like the the cover story. Uh, Corey, I'll come to you first. Did anything, like what jumped out at you? Was there a quote or something from the piece that you that jumped out at you that you want you want to uh, throw on the table here? I don't know. Well, first things all, we'll talk about a few things. But the first thing I had mentioned it last week was just battling crazy elements and conditions while filming. And for them, it's worth it to go through that rigorous rigorous task because the shots are just going to be so worth it. That instead of doing the CG, they're doing this on location stuff, which is hopefully going to pay off. Um, one other thing that jumped out to me is that I think JJ is more or less on the same page as everyone about the conclusion, uh, finding that, that it was a challenging aspect to pull all the threads together. But he seems confident that, you know, first of all, he's acknowledging the fact that this is what it is and it has to make sense by the end. Like, he knows that he even mentioned like, you know, Ewoks were singing and dancing and la 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 la. That was the end. But no, it has to make sense still and why. And he believes they've achieved that. So that instills a little more confidence in me that he's at least uh, paying attention to that and knowing that other people are going to be paying, paying attention to that and just acknowledging it. So, you know, good on him. For sure. Uh, Carlos, anything jump out to you? Yeah, they lost me when they started talking about how much sand there was. Because <laughs> I know you hate, you hate sand. Oh, I hate it. It gets everywhere. It's coarse. It's rough. Well, I I, may, I said this on Twitter. I can't remember to who. <laughs> We're get, we've got basically, what, five desert planets in Star Wars? And then they no. tell us that, you know, and, and then like the central character hates sand. And they've made like it's become this huge meme in Star Wars. Yet they keep giving us sand planets. There's a, somewhere there's a joke, whether at Lucasfilm they're laughing at us or if we should be laughing more about this. But Tatooine, uh, Jakku, Jedha. Now what? What's the other one called? Uh, Pasana. And uh, Savarine. Savarine. And you can throw Geonosis in there too if you want. Yeah, that's more Marsy though, right? It's, like it's, it's, a red, it's a red planet. Yeah, I don't know. There's, it's it's arid. We can call it arid. <laughs> Look, I'm looking at the, the judges, and uh, we're going to award Geonosis as well. There we go. Those are some generous judges. Six. So we have six very dry, sandy, dirty, dusty planets. That's nuts. Anyway, uh, so that was it, Carlos, the sand thing, and you checked out? <laughs> I didn't check out, but <laughs> it's just funny to say. Um, no, I'm with Corey, man. There's like, um, they had to like create a whole city and just the um, the puppeteers and stuff. It was like the casting crews, like 70 people. Yeah, they, didn't, they really didn't they have to like, like create their own kind of road. Out to yeah, the like, miles yeah, exactly. Miles. Like two kilometers uh, long or something like that. And um, yeah, I like that they do that 
See, that's what Geonosis didn't have. Which was like an actual set. You know, like an actual location. Yeah. Uh, everything was green screen and um, it kind of, you know, to the detriment of the movie, maybe. But um, maybe not to the movie, but to the to the viewing experience. And I like that they're going, JJ, uh, JJ is going big or going home. So pretty cool. Yeah, like one one of the things that jumped out to me, and I, I felt like I was going back to 2014, 2015. Uh, there's a quote that says, it was almost like if the Argentine Nazis had sort of got together and actually started to bring that back in some real form. So I, I thought that was interesting that this talking point is coming back again. So you remember back, in, back when uh, The Force Awakens oh, yeah. was coming out. It, this is still obviously on JJ's mind. It's still part of, of the film in some way, which I think is great. It shows a level of, of consistent, consistency, cohesion, all that stuff. Um, you know, the things that people say isn't there. It's there. And uh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll get a chance to see what he was thinking because they said that the Rise of Skywalker is going to give us more about the origin of the First Order. So we'll see how it parallels like that movie. The, the Actually, there's a book first, uh, The Boys from Brazil. I'm 100% on the same page there. I wrote the same thing down too because what it seems like he's referring to uh, is the Fourth Reich where all these Nazis had kind of fled to Argentina Tina and Brazil and these uh, South American states and they kind of flourished, you know, they, they stayed under the radar, but the eventual plan was to kind of come up with this fourth Reich, although thankfully it never really happened. But this story is about it happening, them actually having the capability of rebuilding what they once had. And that's where I feel when we were discussing uh, Allegiant General Price, his character last week, I think that's where that's going to come into a. Uh, I think it is pride, to be honest. We called him Price last week, and I was like, "Did I? But it's pride. I'm pretty sure it's pride." But uh, yeah, I just feel that's going to play into this whole, like you had said, Kyle. Like we're going to get a bit of background history. This guy, I feel, is like a transition guy there from the beginning, with uh, an agenda, and that's where that quote kind of comes in as well, where he said something about the. The trilogy is about this younger generation, this new generation having to deal with all the debt that has come before, which can kind of be a, interpreted as a force, but I feel it's more interpreted with what's been left behind by the Empire. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Maybe maybe he's that key character. Makes It makes sense that this, that this character who seems to be a cut above the huxes of it all, maybe we will learn through him how that first order came to be. I like that. That's a good call. And then also the <laughs> boys from Brazil also was always pounding on the fact that, uh, you know, Hitler, the fourth Reich, they were trying to have Hitler's offspring kind of more or less, you know, well, there's, there, there was a whole thing, like a subplot of, of cloning Hitler. And we, we've heard about either, you know, cloning Vader, basically Anakin and possibly Ray being, the result of such an experiment. Yeah, there's like that parallel of of maybe trying to replicate Ray's, trying to replicate upbringing. Ray's upbringing along with Vader's, to, but you know, s stripping out some of the attachments so that 
Vader wouldn't have that flaw or the next one, Ray, I guess maybe wouldn't have that flaw if they're going down this road. I still don't think they're, they're doing that, but it, it's, it is interesting that this is sort of a, a theory that, that has been being discussed for the, discussed for the past couple of years. That's it. Like you said, it's at the four of JJ's mind. He kind of spilt the beans right there. And I, I, I saw it right away. I was like, Oh, the boys from Brazil. Really? So interesting. The only thing, the only thing I don't like about it is like, we don't have like a subsect of the resistance of people going out on their own and, and taking care of this program. You know, like I think JJ really missed the boat when he didn't uh, cast Michael Fassbender to go take care of these people. <laughs> uh, hashtag missed opportunities. <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's go to change.org. <laughs> let's, let's crowdsource our own uh, sequel trilogy. Wah. Wah. Uh yeah, no, I, I I like that thing. I find that really, really intriguing. Uh another thing that stuck out to me. Sources close to the movie say that Skywalker, as in the rise of Skywalker, will at last or will at long last bring to a climax the millennia long conflict between the Jedi Order and its dark shadow, the Sith. Ooh. I knew you'd like that. Who doesn't like that? Yeah, but doesn't that sound like a a retconning of the prophecy somehow. I guess you could take it that way. I didn't. And Good. I, I'm already somebody who's kind of sensitive about retconning that, but uh, no, I, I th- I'm okay with it. But it, I think this does mean like goodbye Sith. This will be the end of the line for the Sith, and it, it also it also makes me think that. Uh, like we're not even going to get the sense that Ray's going to rebuild the Jedi. Like I think we can always headcanon that, but I don't think the movie will end with her sort of you know building a school or like you know putting a nail into into like a wall stud as as they frame up some walls to to build an academy. I don't even think we'll go there. Yeah, we we've long said that this I've long said that this could be the actual end of the force from a certain perspective, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the dark crystal. I've always said that. I made that reference of repairing that fractured crystal and things going back to normal, you know, like balance restored, bing, bang, bong, boom, like, you know, no more force kind of kind of force just goes to sleep for good this time. Like it's put back to balance, right? Back to balance. And there's no more need for that's it. Like these chosen ones, if you will, to have to come into play and, go at war and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, it could the, very the, well be, be the, the case. Jedi, I think as long as Ray is around and she is a Jedi, which I think we can agree. She's, she is a Jedi and she will be one. Like their role, according to Kenobi was, was just guardians of peace. They're not supposed to be the super active heroes or, or soldiers. They're just a guardian of peace. Well, what I, if by the end you, you get the impression that even she can't use the force anymore. Like they've saved the day. The galaxy's at peace, whatever, you know, you see a promising future on the horizon, but like, you know, that she, she's been stripped, stripped of her power as well. (laughs) Crazy idea, but I guess it all lies in the execution, I suppose. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll touch on this again later, but I, I don't, I don't, they're not going to give us or promise us, they're promising a conclusion. So they're not going to promise us that and then fill up the conclusion or the, you know, the last few scenes of the movie. They're not going to populate our head with ideas of, of Ray building up an academy. And then, you know, so we will get Ray being a Jedi, bringing about this, this sense of, of peace and balance, but they're not going to make us think that she's building a school because then we'll, we'll just, we'll just headcanon that. Well, and then, you know, here comes episode 10. Here comes episode. Well, not, not just that, but like, well, some of those students are bound to fall because they always do. So I, I don't even think they'll make, they'll let us think that. At least I hope Maybe so. it dies. It dies with both Kylo and Ray. I guess never say never. I'll be shocked if they kill Ray, but I guess stranger things have happened. And of course there was the big quote, which I think a lot of people have touched on. Uh, JJ said, working on nine, I found myself approaching it slightly differently. He says, which is to say that on seven, I felt beholden to star Wars in a way that was interesting. I was doing what to the best of my ability. I felt star Wars should be. And then it says, uh, but, but this time something changed. Abrams found himself making different choices for the camera angles, the lighting, the story. Quote, I f- it felt slightly more renegade. It felt slightly more like, you know, F it. I'm going to do this thing, do the thing that feels right because it does, not because it adheres to something. End quote. So I, I like this because, like, in, in case it wasn't clear before, now we know that he sort of felt like TFA needed to be a certain way. Like it had to fill it, fit it into a certain box and, and maybe wasn't a true representation of him as a storyteller so much as him just doing a paint by numbers type thing. Does that make any sense? Yeah, for sure. But let me tell you this, you better still be giving us our fade ins outs and wipe aways. <laughs> How many of those have we, have we gotten? I don't know. That's really been a big deal. It is. I always see the counter before a film. Did, did, is there a lot of them in, in The Last Jedi? I think there were the, like 19 maybe. Something like that. 17, 19. Okay. Well, anyway, like for better or worse, it sounds like The Rise of Skywalker is, is going to be a very original movie in, in, in the way that The Last Jedi was. Like, there's no way I, I can't imagine that we walk away from the rise of Skywalker and go, well, that was a rehash of, of return of the Jedi. No, I mean, there's some beats that will repeat because that's the way it works at part three of a trilogy, but I, the rehash label will only come from those who just wish to, you know, shake the beehive. Anyway, I, I like it. It sounds like uh, JJ's cut loose, and he's not—he's thrown away the checklist. But how much? How much of that do you think is, you know, the, I, you know, these these types of people, like these high-powered people, really wanting to cement their legacy and like put their like Im- immortalize their names forever. So like they're just gonna do something out there and put their signature on it. I think that plays a role. In, in yeah, I still want it to look like Star Wars, to be honest. Like, I know that's kind of whatever. You're kind of holding entitlement to the film there, but 
you know, I, I feel like the the new Star Trek, for example, like he took some really weird angles, you know, and stuff like that. A lot of lens flares. We know that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just uh, I hope it does it justice still. It's cool that he wants to make it his own, too, you know. For sure. And he should. Make the director as comfortable as possible. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So that's that's the main story. Uh, I <laughs> I, I feel bad doing this to Carlos because it's going to kill him. But let's talk about the three PO story. <laughs> so, someone want to do a wellness check on Carlos? Is he still here? I'm here. <laughs> hey, Carlos, you want to kick off the three PO discussion? <clears throat> I'm here. True. Um. Yeah. No. Um. <sighs> it's um. I don't like that. Okay, everybody knows I hate 3PO, okay? But <laughs> um, I don't hate him, hate him. Like, like I really, really enjoyed him in uh, in Empire. And... Well, I, thought you, I thought you were going to say in, in Kigo's little short story. Why do you, why do, you want to do that? <sighs> Anyways. So no, I really, really uh, enjoyed uh, the portrayal of Anthony Daniels as three PO in uh, in Empire. I think where it soured on me was the prequels, uh, especially the first two, were just hideous. And um, Return of the Jedi just uh, it was just more annoying than he had to be. I just I didn't I didn't like it, and then. Uh, that stupid line about the red arm and interrupting Han and Leia's <laughs> meeting in The I Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah, yeah, but no, no. Like, if there was a foundry nearby, I would three hundred kick him into it. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't like that. In the Last Jedi, it wasn't that bad. I thought it was, uh, it was better. And um, but when I read that. The plan was to have uh, Han Solo's story being seven, and Luke's being eight, and and Leia's being nine. But now that Leia's not there, that three PO takes the mantle. Like, is three PO uh, really somebody that can handle that mantle? I, I don't know. For me, I, I just I didn't like that. I, I I don't like that aspect. Now that said, the writing could be good, and it could come across. As uh, I'm not going to use the word plausible because it's it's freaking space space wizards, but like just something that like could actually fit uh, into what Star Wars is, I'd be okay with it. I, I have no problem with that, you know. And if it's a rehash of Return of the Jedi, I'm not going to be very happy. And if it's more along the lines of what we saw him, because he was very active in in uh, the Empire Strikes Back. So no, if, we, if we're gonna get uh, some of that Empire feel of his dialogue and his interaction with the other characters, I say go go for it. Really, do it all. And uh, if um, you want to rehash that whole storyline, stop right before Chewie builds him back. <laughs> just leave him in pieces yeah <laughs> oh, i had to give him one little kick one last <laughs> kick <laughs> what about you Corey? anything jump out to you um i'm on the same page as carlos in the sense that 
you know, I don't, I don't know if he's got the enough gravitas to step into Leia's shoes. I mean, granted, he is a legacy character. I mean, he's the only actor who's been in every film. So in that regard, he does deserve a certain amount of respect. How much screen time is a different story. You know what I mean? I don't want to see him coming to the fore and being like the super main character. Like, he should have a decent amount of screen time and some significant screen, screen time with, you know, a bit of a juicy role again, because uh, not only out of respect, but it kind of makes sense to have him step up a bit. It's the end of it all. Uh, so I'm I okay you, with I it. I know what you I mean, I, because like it's he's had like such in, in the in the sequels, he's had such little screen time, like two minutes, maybe in each of the films. And then for, if, if he jumps up to like 11 minutes or 12 minutes in, in The Rise of Skywalker, it might feel jarring. You know what I mean? But like, he, it just might feel I like, I think the whoa, crew's going to be together, which is fine, and having him a, a part of that. But well, that's, that's what Daisy said, right? She, she said, uh, we worked with Anthony a lot. Like, Anthony is really part of this adventure. Like, it sounds like, he, well, it said, like, he, it's... Uh, the most I'd ever worked with Anthony, and he was really there mostly every day. I mean, that that seems to speak to a sizable role for three PO. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I'm I'm okay with it. I just don't want any die Jedi scum kind of deal. You know, like I was totally fine with him in the Phantom Menace. I actually thought it was kind of cool that Anakin had built him. I thought that, that was really interesting. You know. Yeah, I, I didn't mind him so much in, in Phantom Menace. Like, he was played like almost like a newborn child where, ooh, I can't walk and everything is so new. So I, I didn't I didn't mind that angle to 3PO. But I, I am, I do agree. And, and I think it's pretty obvious where JJ, where his fan, fanship of Star Wars comes from. And it's obviously the OT. I will be, abs- and just the way he makes the movies. He tries to, follow that sort of he's doing things more ot style than, than prequel style i guess is is the easiest way to do it there's no way we'll get something as as outlandish as as uh this like the 3po sequence on geonosis like i'm not worried about that at all yeah me neither like you know i, I get this like this there's like this prevailing sense that at least for me that uh abrams and ryan johnson like I think they take this really, really seriously, obviously, for, for many reasons. But I don't feel like either one is either willing to or able to get to that Lucas level of goofiness. You know what I mean? Like, Lucas could do some really, really odd stuff and, and goofy things. And that's just the way he is. But I, I don't feel like at this stage of the game that Abrams is going to do that. You know? Yeah, nor should he. I mean, for the most part, Jedi had somewhat of a more serious tone. It wasn't all that much joking. There there was some, don't get me wrong, but... Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a little bit there. But yeah, they're, 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 they're not... I don't think they're going to make cartoon 3PO out of this. But I, th- I think whatever part they have written, because there, there was another uh, another passage in this 3PO piece where it said that uh, Chris Terrio had steeped himself in Star Wars lore, like the old, old stuff, like before writing the screenplay. And 
and I, I think the 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 author of the Lev Grossman, I think, wrote the article. He said, like, so for those looking for a flavor of the original trilogy to go hand in hand with the new generation, they should keep their eyes on Daniels. So I, I wonder if I, I don't know. I don't know what Terrio immersed himself into, or what he was looking for, what inspiration or connectivity he was looking for. Something in the old drafts. I don't know, but it seems like they were they're mining some old Lucas ideas. And, and looking for ways to bring it full circle. So that's where I see. That's where I see three PO's role is is in bring, like any parts of the past. I almost see as three PO being that bridge character of bringing the past back to the present time. Beyond beyond like force backs or flashbacks or whatever. But I'm okay with it. Um, I've I've complained a long time that the the original duo of droids have been really shortchanged. So if if we get a good blast of C3PO, I I think I'm more than okay with with someone like like JJ Abrams handling that. All right, so that's <clears throat> that's the 3PO story. Uh how about like just to wrap it up, we'll we'll talk quickly about Ray and Kylo and their story. Corey, you want to take it? Anything jump out at you? Um I mean, they did touch a lot on this romantic thing in this article, and they weren't denying it or whatever. Again, I still don't well, think Well, they called it a maybe bond, right? Yeah. And I kind of look at that in the sense that maybe they could have at one time uh, been lovers in a different time. You know what I mean? They, maybe there is an attraction there. I get that. But their time's passed them by. It's kind of one of those things where Ray and them can both be sad – you know, when two characters kind of look at each other and like what could have been, although it's not mm-hmm. happening. Yep. That I see can happening. They, they obviously have a super, super deep connection. And it seems to be like we'd mentioned earlier, this connection to finally end it all. No more Sith, possibly even no more Jedi. We don't know. I mean, a lot of people seem to be afraid of this and they feel it's like it's like an easy reach to say that the moving forward, we're going to the rise of Skywalker, you know. Like maybe these Skywalkers were like the beginning of these force users. I don't know. I'm still okay with it. If that is the case, a lot of people seem not to be on the same page as that, which is fine. But I've been a big advocate for a long time of saying like, you know, these two have to have, it's like uh, the key master and the gatekeeper. You know, there's something about these two that they're going to repair this fractured or imbalanced force so we've seen some weird stuff in star wars lately some some different stuff and i'm all about that i want to see this this you know mystical connection between these guys i want this deep seated reveal you know something crazy that's going to blow our minds and be like oh my god this makes so much sense but it to be like so like shaking kind of to the core almost you know and hopefully it doesn't mess with the prophecy too much but i feel like it still can be entangled within it man and just be deep and meaningful and i think there's a lot there and i'm really excited for this that's pretty much where i'm at with this film like you know uh, resistance and first order that's gonna be really fun but these two are the key players and that's where my head it's it's always about the jedi like the the, that they are the the emotional core of any star wars movie it's all it's always about the jedi 
What about you, Carlos? Yeah, I don't know if uh, the, the whole ro- is there. I don't know. Does this, does there have to be romance in this thing? C- can it be a secondary character that has a romantic thing? Does it have to be the title character? Like, I know we had to get it with Anakin because we needed babies. Uh, but you know, the, the the romance between Han and Leia was wasn't really romance. It was a love story, but there was no romance there. It was stolen kiss here and there, and l- let's get to the let's get to the the meat of the of the the rebellion. You know what I mean? It wasn't really. It was kind of subplotish. You know, like the way people are talking about this whole Raylo thing is as if it's it's the it's the main plot. It's like yeah, it's. Everything's gonna come uh, come to light when uh, they they you know get together. It's like no, you know if I want that I'll, I'll watch Sleepless in Seattle. Like I don't I don't need I don't need that from Star Wars. So that I, I'm uh, I'm really really not on board with that. And if if that's what we're gonna get, then I'm gonna write a very strongly worded letter to uh, Lucasfilm <laughs> to get my money back. I want my money back. No no more petition. You giving up on the petition idea. Uh, I mean, there's just so many. By the time they get to it, you know, I, I might as well just write straight to uh, to Lucasfilm Limited. You know, just, you're gonna handwrite uh, the letter. Yes, of course, of course. Oh, what am I gonna do? Cut out, cut out letters from a newspaper and stick no, it. No, you do like glue? like Ben Solo calligraphy. <clears throat> that's that's the way you do it. Uh, that's how you grab their attention. How do you do Ben Solo calligraphy? Is there is there any writing in Star Wars? Yeah, man. I think in the Visual Dictionary, it it had a, a Ben's hut and there was a calligraphy set to the side. And yep. You practiced that. People went nuts. Ben solo does calligraphy. That was a big deal, man. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the one passage, I guess that stands out to me in this piece <clears throat> says, will Kylo Ren and Rafe reforge their own connection and if they do, will it be love or simply friendship that unites them? The answer, Driver says, is incredibly complicated. I don't think it's any one thing. The strength in what Ryan wrote and what JJ wrote is it's never all one thing. And that to me just it reaffirms that no one faction of fandom is going to get exactly what they want. Or, like I've said, like everybody's going to walk away thinking that they got what they wanted. Yeah. That's what I was kind of mentioning earlier in the sense that, you know, the longing in their eyes saying like, uh, what could have been, but can't happen. So it's reaffirming the Raylos thing, but at the same time, everybody else is like, okay, good. Like, you know, the timing's just not right. It's never going to happen. They got to make different choices for different reasons. Yeah. Like you can imagine, I can, I can picture in my head, uh, a death scene like Ben Solo death scene where sort of and Ray's there with him and she's, she's holding his head in her arms as he goes and she's crying. But why would she be crying? Like he's, he, she tried to kill her. What? She's an empathetic person, person. She's an empathetic, empathetic person. And so we could see that as, as simply as that. And she's sad to see that this guy who could have been so much is now dead and so the, the tears are really just, you know, tears of empathy and man, what a, what a shame. Or you could read it as she's crying because she loves him and he's dead. So there'll, oh, there'll be that tug of war over interpretation and what, what really is going on. 
But yeah, I really, I, I think people are going to read into it what they want. And uh, we'll, we'll continue arguing about this relationship for, for well after, <laughs> well after uh, The Rise of Skywalker comes out. But like something was said in the main piece about, about Finn and his romantic situation. And the quote reads, uh, Rose seems like the more positive choice given that she stops Finn from deserting early in the movie and saves his life at the Battle of Crate. And, and that uh, the precedents for romantic involvements with Jedi are extremely bad. And it's, it's that last part. It, it triggered the thought for me that like the, I, do, I really don't think that Rey and Kylo will be a thing by the end of the movie. Like, it, it, because like if we've learned anything about these movies, it, Skywalkers tend to go sideways at some point. Anakin... You know, say what you will about Luke, but something like Skywalkers usually screw up and it causes trouble on a galactic level. And so if they mean for the rise of Skywalker to be this satisfying conclusion, to me, there's no way in hell that they will even, even slightly tease the idea of, of Ray and, and Ben Solo babies, because then, then instead of talking about this conclusion, we jump over that to episode 10 how the skywalker story is not actually over and that we're, we're gonna talk we'll talk about like episode 10 with uh the offspring of ray and kylo and and that that will that runs against everything that they're saying about this movie so i i i i can't imagine for the life of me that the the movie ends with with ben and and ray together i can't imagine it just for that sole purpose of uh, of conclusion. Am I crazy? No, definitely that makes perfect sense to me. Oh, I agree. But I mean, if, if you know, if there was somebody else here like, who doesn't agree with us, might say no. Like, but doesn't it make sense that the last Skywalker ends alive and happy and and finds happiness in their in his life, and the two of them can can you know, rebuild the Jedi together or maintain peace in the galaxy together. Like I can't make that argument. The three of us can't maybe somebody else could and it would and have it make perfect sense, but I can't see uh, just the idea of a future Skywalker offspring to me completely subverts the idea of, of conclusion. It, I, I can't see to me. It can't happen. All right, that's that. That's the, I think I think we have killed the Vanity Fair coverage for this for this month. <laughs> Will we ever? Here's a question: Will we ever get another Vanity Fair spread? Yes. You think they'll do it for whatever s- sequels or or trilogies they do next? Yeah, I think there's just too much money. It yeah yeah I, I wonder what sales are for Vanity Fair for those issues if it's worth it for them to keep going. Or is it like Skywalker Saga cachet? I don't know. I'm I really don't know. I hope so because I I love these. I love well, you know what? I don't know how old Annie Leibovitz is or how long she plans on being a photographer, but if she's not doing the photos, nobody is. I, I I'm fairly com- comfortable saying that. 
All right, so that's it for the news this week, if we want to call it that. Uh, we've got one more thing. It's a question from Katie. Katie checks in with a question, and it reads a little bit like this. So Katie writes, Hello there. So it's finally here. Galaxy's Edge is officially open. People can go and drink some blue milk, go and browse the shops, and go on the Millennium Falcon ride. This made me think, if you could create your own Star Wars ride, what would you create? Let's sell some ideas to Disney. So thank you, Katie. Uh, I don't know what you guys came up with, but I I didn't want to do like the thing where you just like take a scene from one of the films and make a ride out of it. Because that was my first instinct, whether it was like, Hoth or Death Star or Endor. It's all stuff that we've seen in video games. So I, I didn't want to do that. But Carlos, what did you come up with? For me, it's um, <clears throat> Tag and Bink. I thought that would be cool to do something like Tag and Bink, where you're following them through the corridors of whatever. Beggars Canyon. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. It's it it's nothing that you'll see in the movie. It's everything that's in in the background. I like and that. You're, yeah, you're just I really you're like just, that. You're just seeing like you know the inner workings of you know what does uh, Jabba's backyard look like or. You know, just the uh, the world building, the stuff that's all behind the uh, the curtain. That's that's what I wanted to. Uh, well, a nice little ride like that. But Tag and Bink are your guides. That'd be pretty damn cool. That's a that's a really good pull, actually. Thanks. Man, they they should do that. They should. I mean, I know I know that Galaxy's Edge is sort of set in the sequel era, but if ever they they sort of retrofit it to be you know, Civil War era. Those two characters would be pretty fun to have as as your guides. That'd be really funny because those two, I think those two characters, I, I think they kind of gave them a, a comedic edge in in some comics. So that could really work. What'd you come up with, come up with, Corey? Uh, well, I got I got a few here. It's actually kind of hard because, like you had said, Kyle, like the first things to automatically come to one's mind is more or less like speed right like it's it's an amusement park it's, it's got to be kind of crazy so like you had said kyle like first of all they'd already done the trench run back in the day like that's been around forever and it kind of makes sense to go there for you know for um a ride like that and the speeder bikes death, is, though, right like like you said exactly they've, they've, they've done that ride it's been done in video games and speeder it, bikes as well i think that's Another one, there was that video game that was done with the actual bikes. So everyone goes to that to speed, but pod racing is kind of another one, which could kind of be interesting and fun. Like, I'd love to try it. Don't get me wrong, but it'd have to be VR. And I find another little bit of a cop out here, but something that'd be really fun is, I don't know, you get like 100 people in a room, this big football sized room, you know, and a football sized room. Well, football arena-sized room, you know what I mean? A stadium-sized room, sorry. And uh, you just get everyone inside a cockpit, right, that's able to move and all that, strap on the VR, and, yeah, just have, like, a crazy dogfight or something like that. I I got a few funny ones here. Like, or Hoth, like, a lot of different environments somehow. That'd be cool. You can play, like, paintball on Hoth or something, you know? 
that could be pretty cool. I wouldn't mind like an actual like paintball experience where it's like in a big refrigerated warehouse. That would be pretty fun. Like they, yeah, I wonder if they would ever do that. Just carve out a, a, a space and make it like an actual tactile experience without the VR stuff. It doesn't it? Doesn't what scream about, Disney to me? Oh, I have, I have a great idea. What about um, you're on the Ring of Kafreen and the game is called Mercy Kill, <laughs> <laughs> Mercy Murders. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with that. It's like solving a murder or something like that. I, I got a few like funny ones here. These are more like, I guess, uh, carnivals in a way. But you could have like a, like a Dagobah, almost like a house of horrors, but like a ghost house in the forestry. That can kind of be creepy. You know, you walk into the forestry and a whole bunch of scary shit happens. Yeah, that could be cool. Or like a de- Death, Death Star escape room. Where you're escaping the Death Star, and, but you're answering a series of riddles or whatever it is to have to escape. Like you have to work as a team to get out. Yeah, these are all pretty cool ideas. There's lot, obviously there's lots they could do. I, I hope Disney's listening. Well, what about Maz? Maz is a fortune teller. <laughs> well, you know what? That's that was that was a thing that I, my brain went to Maz as sort of let's let's do something with her. You know, let's you know go with Maz on some sort of pirate-like adventure. Oh, do Hondo? I see well, Maz. They're kind of doing Hondo future. already. He's he's already sort of part of the experience at at Galaxy's Edge. But Maz would be another really fun one. Really fun. Raise Cave of Mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> Raise Mirror Funhouse. Yeah. And the, the soundtrack is like just a... the soundtrack is just snapping. <laughs> that would drive you crazy yeah that'd be maddening something like carlos was kind of mentioning i had had this like a boot camp for either or both the rebellion and the empire you get recruited and they throw you through a day of paces kind of you know yeah well at least with the rebellion it's volunteers so if you ever get fed up i'm out <laughs> i'm done with you guys that that yeah, there's a lot of different experiences that they could do or that could be done. But, man, I, I don't know that Disney would do them. They should think about it, I think. Uh, my my thing ultimately doesn't fit in the era, but I'd love to do something with Dr. Afra. I've, I've been banging the Afra drum for such a long time. But I think it would be really cool to have her as sort of like a your guide where you go and like steal know, something like, yeah you, whatever like you enter the, the like the, the vr environment and in, in whatever way that they're doing over at galaxy's edge and then like you have like an actor whether it's part of the vr or an actual person comes by and she's she's in the afro outfit and she's in a rush and you're handed like a relic or something and you're like take this keep it safe or something to that effect, uh, and and like Darth Vader's after you because that's sort of the thing where Vader is after Doctor Afra in the comics, right? So uh, something like that where Vader is 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 chasing you and you just like 
you know, a series of like speeder hops and getting off world or almost like Indiana Jones ish. But something like that, I think could really, could really work. Yeah. 200 foot pendulum swing to, to safety. Yeah. Like, like pull, <laughs> pull things from Indiana Jones for the type of stunts, like, like riding the, uh, that little, like the, the, the mining mine car. Yeah. Do something like that, but star Wars it, but always have Vader in hot pursuit of you. And I, I think that could be a really fun ride. Because do- like Doctor Afra is like to me is the perfect character for all that sketchy adventure type stuff, but yet still fun. And of course, like as as an archaeologist, relic hunter type thing, you could you could really add in some cool stuff that way too. So that that is she beats out Maz for me in that respect. So that's it. That that is uh that it that is my submission to Disney, a Doctor Afra ride. So that's it, Katie. Hope you enjoyed our ideas and uh, hope everybody out there enjoyed episode 178. But that's going to do it for this week. So if you guys want to be part of the podcast, just send your questions to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. And if you did like this podcast, you'd like to support us, leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice and uh, we'll, we'll read it on a future episode. Lastly, but certainly not leastly, share our podcast, share us. Uh, with your friends on social media. If they need Star Wars in their lives, we can be the solution. So do that. And let's give a shout out to our main man, Rob Wade, over at Emotionally14.com for endorsing this episode of the podcast as part of the E14 Endorse program. It's a bunch of cool podcasts that they give the stamp of approval to at at the home for the permanently teenaged at Emotionally14.com. So check that out. Uh, give Rob Wade a salute while you're there and tell him that Tumbling Saber sent you. And also be sure to check out our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Great alliance of really cool Star Wars podcasts. Everybody doing something a little bit different, uh, but really, really great podcasts all around. So check that out, StarWarsCommonwealth.com or as well on iTunes as a podcast provider. So guys, with all that out of the way, Carlos, tell us where we can find you on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Or not. Or not. Corey, how about you tell us where we could find you on social media? Well, Kyle, everybody can find me at Chop Rules with the Z on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, you can also join our closed Facebook group at the Tumbling Saber. It's always fun. There's always uh, quite a bit of a discussion going on in there. It's a closed group again, so you don't have to worry about people judging you. Yeah, absolutely. A shout out to guys like Nathan and Dave and Rick who keep new stuff coming into the Tumbling Saber group all the time. It's it's a fun place to hang out. So if you want to join us there, we would love to have you. I yes. think Carlos is back. <laughs> Y'all can find me. On Twitter and Instagram at Candido Music, you can also search for me on Facebook, Carlos Candido, and give my Facebook page a like. Or you can uh, go to patreon.com slash Creates to uh, be a patron of my Cardos Creates campaign, where every month you get new music. $3 a month, it's a coffee. I want you to join today and be a part of that community. And uh, you can also check out Thinking Out Loud for uh, all my other podcasts. 
including Heavy Talkers, which is a Star Wars specific podcast. You can check that out. And uh, my last episode was with Corey. So uh, you might want to give that a listen. And um, that's it. Yeah. Join the uh, Tumbling Saber Facebook group. Absolutely. And of course, you can find me in that, that Facebook group. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tumbling Saber. And uh, that's it. That's where we'll be, we'll, we'll be able to reach out and talk to one another. So uh, that's it, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening to episode 178. Uh, we'll catch you again next week in episode 179. So have yourselves an awesome week, and we'll talk to you later. draws me closer to your place willing me through my dreams fall away signs blindly to the lines on your face beating strong Drifting, and I relive this dream over and over and over again. Please don't leave my heart broken, bleeding. Don't believe it.
Running away, darling Please don't 